Thank you so much uh, for joining Ubuntu Radio, South Africa's Public Diplomacy in Action. My name is Tari Munjezi. We are live from OR Tamo Building. This is the Department of International Relations and Cooperation. We continue our celebration of uh, youth media producer uh, who is engaging on a digital media as well and also very passionate about the African continent as well. Dimpo Lichel, thank you so much for joining us uh, on Ubuntu Radio this morning. Thank you so much for having me and happy Youth Month. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you Thank you so, so much for, for joining us. You are involved with uh, Youth Lab, but I want us to start with where we ended, yes. me and you, in terms of our previous conversation, your participation into the African peer review mechanism. Yes. What was that about? Was it part of the um, Youth Lab? Sure. Um, so it was part of my work at Youth Lab. Um, the African Peer Review Mechanism is an organization um, of the African Union. And what they do is they conduct um, very important processes where they do field work in different African countries, um, where they review the performance of governance, um, but also review how well policies and the decisions that have been making made insofar as development in that particular country, how well they're benefiting the citizens um, of that particular place. And so what they did last year, um, I think towards the end of 2020, is recruit young people for the first youth submission, right? So they wanted to amplify youth voices and saying, Young people on the continent, we see the various challenges that you are grappling with, but there's also a lot of leadership potential because, as you know, Africa has the youngest demographic in the world. And so they wanted to hear particularly from young people who are entrepreneurs, who are working in the civic space, who are in academia, about what their take is about how well governance has been working, particularly in South Africa, or hasn't been working. And so youth, I think it was 151 young people from across the country um, and then we were also consulted in that we were given the opportunity to choose the particular streams okay. that we wanted to look at. And by the end of it, we had about 10 streams um, ranging from uh, youth political participation, education, things like uh, economic participation and entrepreneurship, mm. um, things like mental health and health um, and well-being, right? And so we had to make submissions insofar as what does that look like right now? So what is the state of healthcare access for young people? Are young people able to access, you know, quality healthcare services, critical services such as um, SRHR, um, you know, things like HIV prevention, for example. We know that HIV is a huge problem on the continent still. Um, but also not just identifying the challenges, but then also making recommendations about what kind of policies, plans, and, you know, programs um, the government can implement at a community level, because I think sometimes we overlook um, community grassroots um, kind of uh, interventions. So what kind of interventions can be uh, you know, employed at a community level, um, at a national level, um, to kind of mitigate whatever gaps um, and solve whatever challenges there are. So that, that, that was the APRM youth submission process that we were a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was just a great um, step forward, I think, in, 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 in terms of youth participation on the continent. You know, mm-hmm. at Youth Lab, we are big about making sure that young people's voices are mainstreamed mm-hmm. when we are having mm-hmm. critical conversations about the direction of the continent. Yeah. And so to put together a document that was, you know, where the contributions were only young people, where young people were consulted right from the beginning, right mm-hmm. through until the mm-hmm. end. And this is also a document that was um, submitted 
um, to committees and leaders within the African Union. Um, I think it was submitted to um, Parliament, in mm. fact, at yeah. some points here in South Africa. Um, I think that was one of the most, um, one of the processes that I've been a part of where young people were truly meaningfully engaged. So it's awesome. Please mm. go and check out the document. It's live on the South African Institute of International Affairs. Um, it's on their website. Yes, it's on SIA's website. Are we looking at young people political participation as individual mm-hmm. or as organization that are representing young people? Yeah. Because sometimes we need to look, be specific to, in terms of we're talking about youth participation or talking about youth organization participation mm-hmm. in political process. Because when you are former young people, when they are formalized, it's easier to engage with them because they will need to stand for certain things, you know. It's actually so interesting you asked me that because I was a part of the group that was looking at youth political participation. Oh, great. I'm right? just at home. <laughs> you are. Yeah. And so what we decided to do is look at youth political participation, I think, from 2015. Okay. Because if you'll remember, that's when Fees Must Fall happened. And that's when we really started to see the rise of um, young political leaders, young political activists. A lot of the young people who were leading these protests and these meetings during um, Fees Must Fall, a lot of them emerged Emerged, um, and we started seeing them being put forward to be part of um, parliament, right? To be put on list, to be part of provincial legislature. Mm. And so we really thought that fees must fall and that in the entire fallist movement was a very, very important um, point, right? For youth political participation because we saw young people rise to become actual leaders mm. within mm. their political parties, but also as individuals. So to answer your question, we looked at everything. So we looked at if a young person does not necessarily want um, political affiliation, what does it look like for that young person to still have an opportunity to have a political voice? Because it's not everyone who's going to want to affiliate to a party, you know? Mm. Um, We looked at if young people want to start their own political organizations, what are the challenges and barriers there? You know, what kind of support do they have? What kind of resources do they need? Yeah. We also looked at, um, you know, what political participation looks like today versus um, a 1976, for example, or a 1994, right? Because we we celebrate Youth Month, obviously, because of the Soweto uprising, Mm. where those students were marching against Bantu education. Mm. So in the 1976, 1980s, 1990s context, that's what youth political participation looks like. And so people tend to think that just because young people aren't in the streets protesting, they're apathetic, Mm. or they're not in tune with the political affairs of the country today but young people are politically active it just looks different and we need to start identifying the different and alternative ways that young people are participating politically that are not necessarily conventional Mm. another important thing we looked at is um what does it look like for young people to have a political voice outside of formal institutionalized processes, right? For example, um, there's been a severe decline in the number of young people who are showing up to vote um, year after year, simply because young people just don't believe in that as, as, as a process that has um, some kind of potential to influence real change, Absolutely. right? But that doesn't mean young people aren't making a political statement. Young people not voting is a political statement. That's a form of political participation, um, what non-participation, we non-participation, right? Okay. It's a mm. statement. What we need to be looking at um, is why are young people losing trust in formal, institutional, kind of civic processes? Yeah. But how do we find young people where they are with those challenges um, and still recognize the ways that they are active in their communities, yeah. the ways in which they are active outside of those formal processes? Like, how do we recognize that as participation? Because young people are active. What I find problematic is the fact that. 
it needs it needed to take fees months for protest yeah for us to say even within the stud- student politics we, we have capable leaders who are able to can actually participate in political processes yes. and uh, serious decision making that is to move this country forward yes. as well yes outside of that what sort of other formations sort of, sort of um, do we have an, an equivalent of face mask for? Should it always be protests? Should it always be grievances? That's 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 an interesting question. And, and someone asked me a couple of weeks ago, you know, do I think that uh, youth formations within political parties are still relevant, right? So okay, your youth, youth leagues, leagues, right? Yeah, because true. ideally, that's those are that's supposed to be kind of training ground. Absolutely. That's supposed to be a place where political organizations recognize and train and kind of build up mm. um, young, capable leaders who can take up space in provincial legislature mm-hmm. who can take up space in parliament who can take up space in municipalities yeah. but we haven't really been seeing that happening right what has happened is that youth formations a lot of times have just become um, a playground you know where, where political parties kind of fight out their political battles okay. we've seen it happen where certain people will take will support a faction for example of a particular like do you know what I mean a whole league will support a particular faction of a political party okay. but no one is asking you know what is this organization actually standing for, who are the young, competent, capable leaders who are coming out um, 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 of uh, are coming out of these leagues. So, so that's the one thing. I think we just need to rethink um, the ways in which I think young people are given, um, or maybe rethink the platforms that young people are given, I think, to be trained in political leadership. Mm, mm, um, mm. But you're absolutely right. We shouldn't have to wait for an uprising before we recognize that young people can lead. Yeah. Young people are competent thinkers and leaders. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, that is that is the status quo. But I think I think the, the, the tide is turning. The wheels are moving slowly. Talk to us about what uh, Youth Lab you've been busy with. Youth Lab is a youth development organization. Okay. We call ourselves a nonpartisan think tank, right? And that's because the bulk of the work that Youth Lab used to do over the years was around research. Mm. We used to create space for young people who, for example, did not have political affiliation but wanted to have a political voice. We used to create platforms where young people could have conversations with leaders, with yeah. decision makers, policy makers, ministers, um, you know, mayors um, about the state of their community communities, about what they envision um, for their communities and their countries as a whole, um, and really create platforms where young people, as well as the people who have the power and you know the influence to make decisions, mm. um, could co-create solutions, basically, and co-create the kind of future that young people imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but over the years, we've also adapted an approach where we've started designing um, and implementing youth development, youth development projects, so actual community programs. Mm. Right, because we recognize that in as much as you know the policy and the governance work is important, there's also still a lot of groundwork that we need to do in communities to like tangibly enhance the, the, the lives of, of, of young people. Mm. So I'll give you an example. Right now, I think we're working on three uh, major programs. The one is a mental health program. It's called the Psychology First Aid. We Critical. 
incredibly important, um, especially in, in, during these times that we live in, right? Um, so when 2020 and lockdown happened, we realized that a lot of young people are stuck at home, mm. right? A lot of young people are unable to travel. Um, a lot of young people are stuck in school. There were young people who were stuck at dress, for example. Um, there were young people who were obviously looking for work at that time. And you're probably thinking, how is this going to affect my employment prospects? Mm. If you're a young person who was on the verge of getting your degree, um, you know, and now school is halted for a month. There were, there were all of these issues where like young people's lives, like, like the rest of us, um, were affected. And so we thought, how can we create an intervention that allows young people to get the mental health care that they need? Mm. Because as you may know, South Africa, um, we don't have a lot of affordable options for mental health care. And so we designed this program in partnership with uh, a Malawi-based organization called Better Together. And they do a lot of awesome mental health care work that side with young people as well. Um, in the form of workshops? Or in the form of on, workshops, on, on, uh, therapy therapy sessions, free therapy sessions, okay. webinars. Um, it's led by an awesome, awesome um, activist called Tandi Mkandawire. And um, so we, we designed a, a toolkit mm. uh, uh, for one for facilitators and one for participants. And so we recruited young people who were psychology graduates um, who were doing their master's in psychology. We trained them to facilitate these sessions. And so over a period of four weeks, they facilitate sessions with young people for yeah. free um, to help them cope with mental health issues. So we look at things like stress, um, we look at things like anxiety, like depression. What are the practical ways in which you can help yourself out of a stressful situation? Mm. Those are some of the things that we look at. And as the program progressed, because we always... Um, after each cycle, we go back and look at our toolkit and see how we can advance it based on the feedback that we get. And so I think around 2021, we found that a lot of young people were starting to lose their loved ones. And so we've incorporated grief as part of that program. So how do you deal with grief as a mental health care challenge? Um, and so that's the Mental Health um, PFA. And it's a program that we're very, very proud of um, that I think has really positively impacted a lot of young people. And the good thing about it is that it's virtual. So young people can literally sign up from wherever they are in the country. Yeah. Um. And then we have a program that we run in partnership with ADCOC. It is an anti-substance abuse campaign. Um, we've teamed up with two schools in Johannesburg, and we're training young people in that program um, with the skills, the content that they need to be able to devise solutions um, to bring an end to substance abuse. So we really believe that young people need to be at the center of solutions and you know problem solving. And so we're giving them the content that they need, the resources that they need to come up with their own solutions and actually go out into the community and implement them and come back and report and say when we started this program this was the issue that young people had in our community but since we've spoken to them or since we've implemented this project this is the change that we have seen. That's quite interesting. Yes. I'm thinking in, in most of the programs you're doing mm -hmm. almost all mm -hmm. as I've heard mm -hmm. there's a partner in it. Yes. Why is that significant? I mean it's important just because you know we obviously need resources and funding <laughs> to run these programs, Absolutely. <laughs> first okay. and foremost. But I also think it's important because 
um, you know, whether it's 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 an arm of government or it's it's a corporate, I think it's important that they they invest back they invest into the community. Yeah. For example, one of our other programs, longest running programs, is the Grand Pass Baza Academy, mm-hmm. and it's a business development uh, four week business development program for Spaza shop owners in um, townships in, mm. in in South Africa. Mm. And the, the the reason I think um, Grandpa GSK um, invests in that is because if you if you live in the township and you have a headache and you want to buy a grandpa, where do you go? <laughs> do you know what I mean? And so these are people who are selling their products. So it's important that these big companies also invest in the people who are driving revenue for them in marginalized communities. Um, and so that's 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 the third program that we have. Like I said, longest running program. It used to be an in-person um, business development program. COVID happened. We've had to digitize it. So we've moved the entire curriculum online. We've had to train people on how to use devices. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been it's interesting. Been teams and Zoom and it's all been Teams and Zoom and, and all, learning how to use all of these platforms, learning how to deal with network and connectivity and infrastructural issues yep. in Johannesburg. Um, it's, it's, it's been interesting. Mm, who's running Youth Lab on the, on the daily? How many are you? You will, so Youth Lab is a, is a team of four people. Okay. Um, at the core. All youth. All, all young black women. Okay. <laughs> um, but we do work with freelance facilitators. Mm. Um, like I mentioned, I'm a community manager. So at mm. times I'll need uh, help with, you know, research. Yeah. Um, like, oh, yourselves, like, like yourselves. Like yeah. yourselves, you mm. know. And so we do work with other young people as and when we need them. But at the core, Youth Lab is run by four awesome, awesome black women. What, one of the interesting things is that um, you are the 2020 winner of the World Bank Blog for Development Competition as well. Yes. One young world ambassador and a fellow at the British Council, Young Storymakers Program. What are they recognizing <laughs> in you? What gets you recognized? Yeah. You know, I think we also need to ask them. We might need to get them on the phone. <laughs> Absolutely. So please tell us. And ask them. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I I have always loved storytelling. And I think um, I wasn't aware why, but I've always been fascinated by the way in which stories just have the power to connect people, have mm. the power to educate people, mm. um, to change people's perspectives. I've always recognized that power in, in media and storytelling. Um, and so I have a background in broadcast journalism. Um, and so I've been a writer. I've been on radio. This is very familiar territory for me. <laughs> okay. I've, I've been a writer. I've been on radio. I've been on television. Mm. Um, but I think what stands out about my, my, my journey in broadcasting is that I've always used the platforms to really um, kind of amplify youth voices. Mm. I've always been passionate mm. about, you know, young people are incredible and they're doing such important groundwork to change their communities. Um, and some of the times these stories Stories, you know, go untold. And so every platform that I've been given, I've always tried to give a voice to young people to say, hey, oftentimes when we have conversations about this country and its direction or when we talk about the ways in which we want our communities to look, the voice of young people is missing. And mm. so I, I, I want to be able to give young people a, pl- a platform to speak. So, for example, at Tax FM, I used to produce a show called um, the, the, um, the News Platform. Mm. And that was a youth current affairs talk show. So every week we would bring young people in and we'd have conversations about different issues, right? Whether it's issues that they were facing on campus with council and senate and all of these, you know, bureaucratic leadership structures um, or issues happening outside of campus, things like substance abuse, things like mental health, because these were often conversations that were not being had, especially on mainstream radio platforms. Um, 
And so, yeah, and so... Me and you share the same um, uh, background as far as broadcasting is concerned because like-minded youth like yourself, you really want to participate in decision-making. Mm-hmm. And um, from the programs that you, I see you participating, mm-hmm. it says, we only just don't want to be heard, but we want to actually decide what actually po- direction that this country must take as well. Y- yes. Mm. How important is that? Yeah. I mean, it's important for a number of reasons. Um, but number one, the fact that, I mean, when you look at the numbers, the demographic on this continent mm. says that young Africa has a youth bulge, right? Yeah, young people are the largest demographic on the continent. Um, I think it, I read somewhere that by 2050, half of the world's young people will all be on the African continent, mm. right? But when you look at the average age of a president on the continent, it's 62. Yeah. I mean, the average average age of the 10 oldest presidents on the continent is 78. That's 80 years old. And so that tells me that the people who are um, in decision-making positions are making decisions that they're not going to be there to experience, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's important for young people to be at the helm because they are the ones who are the majority on the continent. And so whatever decisions and policies um, and programs um, are being implemented now are going to affect us the most. And Mm -hmm. so it's important that we are at the driving seat. Are you seeing that there's a positive trajectory that is being um, has been implemented throughout the African continent to say we need to formalize this. We can't just basically have young people talking to us, but we need to have a platform within cabinet where they, they can be heard as well. Sure, I'm absolutely. I think it's a positive step forward. Mm. Um, I think w- what we always need to be aware of, though, is the mechanics of how those departments work, right? Okay. So you can't have uh, a minister of youth who is 60. It just doesn't make sense. If you're gonna, should, should that person be young? In particular? That person should absolutely be young. That person should be young. Why is that necessary? Because they're in tune with what the needs of young people are at the time. And but I think they have a lived experience. They have a lived experience of what it's like to be young on the continent. But I also okay. think that you you know, um, they, 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 they have a better understanding of what the needs of young people might be at the current, so at, at, at the current moment, but also in the future, right? Okay. So they're better able to anticipate um, the direction of young people. For example, we live in a very, very digitized world, mm-hmm. um, right? And, 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 and young people need digital access. Young people need, um, in, you know, access to the internet in terms of devices, but also um, connectivity. We're able to have these conversations if we're talking to a young person who is young and who is plugged into um, kind of like the digital world. Mm. Um, but I also think it's important just in terms of representation, mm. right? Young people need to feel like the person who is advocating for, um, you know, our needs, advocating for um, um, a better life for young people on this continent or in yeah. this particular country yeah. is young mm. and that there's someone who just gets it. I'm in conversation uh, with Dipol Kheoshi is uh, with uh, Youth Lab. We are taking the conversation um, to the African continent now because I know the work that you're doing in South Africa definitely unmet. How much are you engaging with African youth on a daily, you know, aspiration that are you seeing like-minded organizations like yourself in the continent as well? Yeah. Mm. So actually, I think just two weeks ago, actually, um, on the last week of Africa Month, we had a conversation with uh, Kawega Zimene, and she leads the Peace and Security Cluster at the Southern African Youth Development Forum. Okay. 
And she was just saying, you know, how she is so in tune with what's happening um, in Southern Africa, but she feels like she's not doing enough in South Africa on the ground because she's South African. And those partnerships are so important because it gives us a window into what's happening um, outside of South Africa in terms mm. of, you know, mm. um, the development of young people, the participation of young people. Yeah. Um, because youth development doesn't happen in silos, yes. you know. Um, Yes, we are living in, in different countries and, and we have a different context. But a lot of the times, the challenges that we experience are similar. And there's a lot to learn from collaborating with organizations that are working outside of South Africa as well. Um, because it, 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 I think it helps us identify gaps, but also opportunities to say, you know, how do we kind of feed off from one another? How do we mm. feed off from the work that we're doing um, in South Africa, the work that, you know, youth organizations are doing, for example, in, in, in Swaziland, mm. in, in Botswana, in Lesotho. To, um, and, 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 and how do we use you know, their methodology, how do we use their research to kind of strengthen our work and vice versa mm. um, and I've been very very fortunate um, to just have a, an awesome network of young people who are also doing youth work in some shape or form um, outside of the country, um, not just through my work at Youth Lab but you mentioned uh, the World Bank's uh, Block for Dev competition yeah. right? Yeah. so when you win that competition um, all of the winners from the different countries um, become part of a network called Youth Transforming Africa. Mm. And so we're kind of given the opportunity to run um, a couple of programs there in partnership with World Bank Africa. So I've really been fortunate, I think, to just form a network of uh, just incredible brilliant minds, you know, from as far as like, I have friends in South Sudan, I have friends in Uganda, in, in Kenya, in, 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 in Zimbabwe. Um, and like I say, youth development is not done in silos. Whenever we do work in collaboration, I think the impact is just always kind of exponential. Have you started engaging, engaging with South African embassies? Because this program get listened to ambassadors as well, well listen to say, but how can we make sure that we are engaging with uh, organized South African youth? to connect them with youth in Kenya, in Tanzania, in Liberia. I'm just talking about where we have ambassadors and our our consular general there and, um, and ambassadors and high commissioners as well. Mm. Are you doing that as well? I think that's very important. So we haven't necessarily done work with South African embassies um, in other countries, okay. but what we are doing um, um, currently is planning uh, a, a dialogue, right, uh -huh. with the Dutch embassy in South Africa, the okay. embassy of the Netherlands, um, and we want to have a conversation around youth peace and security mm. in South Africa, but also on the continent, mm. you know, and, and, mm. and it's always important for us to have a South African and continental perspective mm. because when you talk about peace and security, a lot of people think armed conflict. You know, yeah, they think true. guns and violence, which is true. It falls part of the conversation, but we don't necessarily have a conflict issue in South Africa, but we do have an unemployment problem, you know, and that's a threat to peace and security, for example. And so when you talk about peace and security, what is the context in South Africa, but also, um, you know, in our neighboring countries, um, but also on the rest of the continent. So yeah, we have started to have those conversations, but I think I think that's, that's an opportunity as well, yeah. The early warning signs that uh, that uh, are, are quite important. Those engagements are quite important as well. I really want to to, to, to thank you for for that. Uh, let's let's conclude our conversation this year. What uh, is the program looking like? I think we are speaking in June, mm -hmm. but going forward, what some of the program in the in the in the pipeline? There's heritage. There's you know quite a number of things, but. 
Yeah. yeah. So Youth Lab um, has a number of partnerships and collaborations with uh, youth organizations, and we have quite a few social media kind of campaigns that we okay. run with them. Mm-hmm. One of them is a partnership with Youth Capital and Open Dialogue Essay. So we facilitate um, bi-weekly Twitter spaces. And so we recognized that Twitter spaces is a platform that's really growing rapidly, mm-hmm. but no one was really having conversations that are focused on what the issues of young people are. Mm-hmm. So we're still going to be running with those um, throughout the year. The program is called, I mean the dialogue series is called So What? Yeah. Um, we've spoken, you know, So What? about the budget speech, So What? about SONA. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last one we were talking about African representation in the media um, and we had awesome filmmakers and storytellers as part of Africa Month. So look out for those. I mean, luckily yeah, that, that podcast, important. that particular part, I mean uh, Twitter space was recorded okay. so you can actually go back and listen to it. It was, it was a brilliant um, conversation. We had an author, we had a filmmaker, we had someone from Sunshine Cinema, um, just talking about, you know, African identity and and, and how it's portrayed in the media, um, which is something I'm very passionate about. Um, We also have uh, a partnership with the Kathrada Youth Foundation and Youth Capital as well. Mm. Um, It's called the Youth Activism Corner, Mm. and that's a monthly segment we have on Instagram, Mm. where we invite young people who are active in their communities, and we talk about what are the practical ways young people can influence change, you Mm. know, because we have these very, uh, you know, theoretical kind of academic conversations, and they're very, very important because yeah. they inform the work that we do. But um, on a ground level, what what steps can young people make today um, to influence change and be decision makers in their in their communities? Yeah. But as far as Youth Month is concerned, so at Youth Lab, we have decided to use this month to really use our platforms to celebrate and promote young people who are driving solutions in their communities. Um, we have the honor, like we're so fortunate to work with a network of young people who, you know, are just actively creating the kind of country that they want. And mm-hmm. so we really um, want to give them a platform. We really want to share their work because we recognize the power that that has as well for them um, and scaling their impact. Um but I mean, Youth Capital is launching a documentary on the 16th on um, youth unemployment, um, and they're having a panel discussion. I'm going to be one of the panelists, so um, follow them as well on social media. We'll do that. Yes, and then, of course, that event that we're doing um, with Durko and the Embassy of the Netherlands on youth peace and security, um, that's, that's going to be so really awesome. The engagement with the diplomatic community has already started, so that's awesome. Yes, mm. so I think just watch our social media. Yeah. <laughs> Give us those uh, social media. uh, We are at Youth Lab ZA literally everywhere. At Youth Lab ZA on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram.